Shahina, Shahina, come to me now. Shahina, Shahina, come to me now. Shahina, Shahina, I am set free. Shahina, Shahina. Soaring through me, I open my heart with your love. I open my eyes with your sight. I open myself with your sweet release. I open my mind with your light. Shahina, Shahina. Well, good evening and welcome, my dear listeners, to Voices of the Sacred Feminine, where we try to rediscover ancient wisdom, where we try to speak truth to patriarchal power, to predator capitalism, and have the courage to propose a new normal in society, to work toward manifesting that new normal in the world. There is an alternative to the patriarchal order, though the status quo prefers you maybe not know it. It hasn't always been this way, and it doesn't have to continue as it is. There is an alternative to predator capitalism that exploits workers, the environment, and humanity across the globe. We can have a world where women are equal, and 70% of us don't retire in poverty or are punished for the male dogma of Eve's sin. The alternative is sacred feminine liberation theology, which we talk about here. Namely, the sacred feminine is deity, archetype, and ideal which I've written quite a lot about in my books, Goddess Calling, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, Sacred Places of Goddess, and Walking an Ancient Path. We just have to stand up and use our sacred roar. Thank you for being with me again tonight. Uh, I know you have other choices out there, and uh, I hope you agree we have something uh, new and fresh tonight. But first, uh, thanks goes out to Elaine Silver uh, for the use of her music. Tonight's new cut was called Shekinah, uh, a goddess name that conjures up thoughts of wisdom and insight and perhaps even life's ancient mysteries. And we've been exploring the mysteries of life on the last few shows as we take a little break from our usual focus and delve a bit around the fringe. Last week we interviewed Ariana, who channels star beings, and we heard the unique voice of the star people coming through Ariana. The week before we talked about conspiracy theories and alternative histories not taught in school. Why? Well, Because I'll bet a lot of people, to a lot of people, the idea of a feminine face of God sounds a lot like a liberal plot or feminist fantasy or conspiracy theories that uh, go against God or Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And certainly if you're a goddess advocate, you know there are alternative histories or herstories out there backed up by science, not fantasy. Many people just haven't heard of these yet. Just today, there was an article floating around the Internet about uh, Justice Alia, the uh, Supreme Court judge, talking about how humanity was only 5,000 years old. Hence, the reason for this show, to plant seeds of new awareness to keep our minds and hearts open. And maybe many of you will agree with me. Uh, so many of life's mysteries 
um, and knowledge of these uh, ancient mysteries have been lost. The libraries were sapped and burned. Knowledge of ancient peoples disappeared under the sands of time. And most importantly, the ancients' way of seeing and connecting to the world, I think, has been lost. Being connected to the universe and cosmos and natural world has been all but forgotten in so much of our population. And thoughts of this are even considered evil, like the idea yoga and meditation might be of the devil. I'm sure you've heard those things. Sometimes it seems for all our scientific breakthroughs, human beings are becoming more and more fearful, unaware, ignorant, disconnected, and polarized. So tonight, uh, with those thoughts uh, uh, behind some of the recent and uh, upcoming bookings, we're going to delve into the idea of the Akashic Records with Lisa Barnett and discuss this along with her Akashic Knowing School of Wisdom. So without further delay, let me uh, tell you a little bit about uh, Lisa, then we'll jump right into our conversation about soul contracts, the Akashic Record, and what, if anything, it has to do with the sacred feminine. So here's what Lisa says about herself. If you've ever found yourself stuck in a cycle of seemingly unnecessary and unwarranted suffering, whether financial, spiritual, or emotional, you might just need to release some old karma or align with your soul purpose. And according to Lisa Barnett, this is often most effectively done by accessing your soul's own library, the Akashic Record. As the founder of the Akashic Knowing School of Wisdom, Lisa has more than 20 years' experience doing just that for her clients, along with teaching countless students around the world how to access their own Akashic records using a dynamic and powerful shortcut to the Akashic field. Lisa helps her clients and students heal their emotional scars, clear soul contracts, and walk their own soul path. An internationally respected Akashic Record Master, Guide, and Transformational Teacher, she's here with us today to show how you too can easily find greater fulfillment, happiness, abundance, and health by aligning with your soul's path, realizing your soul contract, and breaking any old non-serving vows. Well, Lisa, it is my pleasure to have you here on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Karen. It is my pleasure, too, to be here and share with you. And I love to talk a little about the the divine feminine, the energies on the planet, how it all connects to the Akashic Records. So I'm very excited about getting to share with you and your listeners. Well, great, great. And uh, and we uh, we want to hear what you have to say, too, because, you know, I believe we all have little pieces of this puzzle that we're trying to uh, put back together to find out why we're here and, um, you know, what this world is all about. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you have some of those kernels of wisdom uh, as well. And, you know, as, uh, as I was reading that, I couldn't, uh, your bio, I couldn't help but think about Edgar Cayce. Um, the stuff he used to do that he was so famous for, was would you say that was him tapping into the Akashic Record? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I um, The way I understand what Edgar Cayce did was he used a uh, hypnotic trance to be able to access the Akashic Records, and that style of accessing the records is a little more um, complicated because 
he had to be able to hypnotize himself, which he was good at, and then he had his wife, who was the the question asker, so there was only one voice he could hear, and he had a secretary who wrote down all the answers. So it was a three-person process. But I have to say, he went very, very deep into the records, and he really brought back some phenomenal information for us all. And especially in that time, in the 20s and 30s and 40s, it was it was really very powerful healing for people in the planet. Um, yeah, so it is the same thing that I do, except for I found a way to do it very simply and very wide awake. <laughs> okay, well, we want to hear about that. And before we leave the subject of Edgar, um, you know, he I, I know for people who maybe haven't heard of Edgar Casey, I'm sure there must be some folks, uh, Google him, Edgar Casey. But uh, he, he helped heal a lot of people that doctors uh, didn't, uh, you know, couldn't figure out what was wrong with them. And, but I think one of the most intriguing things for me anyway was that he believed they were going to find, I think, proof of a lost civilization off the coast of, of uh, Florida. And I think he also said they were going to find something under the paw of the Sphinx. And I have to ask you, <laughs> um, you know, in doing what you do, has anything like that come to light for you as well? You know, it doesn't as much because... The work that I'm doing, you know, the questions I'm asking, I'm really going very much into people's individual Akashic records and asking, they get to ask their questions their, um, that they're interested in. And honestly, you know, 99% of us are interested in, you know, what's blocking us, what's stopping us, our own troubles, our issues, our relationships, our, our abundance or lack thereof, right? And mm-hmm. so we don't tend to go quite as um, uh, big picture, although occasionally, and, and certainly when I work with um, students and groups of people who are working in the Akashic Records, we sometimes do some planetary work um, and different work like that and, and get some fascinating – I've received um, – well, I'll just explain this because it's just one thing leads to another. So I have been given uh, seven um, vibrational keys to access the Akashic Records. So Edgar Casey used a hypnotic trance, um, and I use a vibrational key. And that, you know, the other another name for a vibrational key is a sacred prayer. So they're very short, kind of two short stanzas of, of words that I've been given by the beings of light that keep our records. So hmm. it's very interesting. Can, yeah, we can talk well, a little and more about that. It reminds me of a mantra too. I mean, you know, people use oh, mantras no. to meditate to, I think, access right. to the divine source to go within. So is that kind of the same thing? Well, you know, it's an interesting thought. It is a vibrational key, so it's not something that you do and repeat and repeat for an hour until you're in this state. The truth is is that this key, these keys that I've been given, literally you would repeat them just a few times, and most people can really feel the energy shift. 
So very wow. often, um, you know, when I'm uh, working, sometimes even on a on a show or something like that, I can open the records of the group of listeners, and and people can call in and ask some questions. So we can move into this group record energy and do a lot of collective healing. So it's very, very powerful to be able to share that with everyone. And I'm wide awake. I don't sound any different than I do. Even though I say I'm channeling the uh, the record keepers, I basically just say what comes through me from them, which is why I sometimes will go off on tangents. So I apologize if I go off on these cha- tangents. But they really have so much to say. There is so much information that, that they would like to share with the world that I um, I really can talk a long time. We talk. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, and you know, just uh, if if you just forgive me if I interrupt you. That's all right. <laughs> so, oh, perfect. So, so the vibrational key um, will that be that these some of the, those phrases? Will Will you feel comfortable sharing that with listeners? But you know, during the course of our interview tonight. Well, you know what I would love to do is I would love to open the group records, and it's you know I'm not going to go through the the five step process that I teach in my courses to access the records, but I would love to um, to open the group records and people will hear and be able to feel the energy and and even if we talk about some different issues, if some clearing comes up and you want. Um, me to do a little bit of clearing of blocks. So, uh, very often I do healing and clearing around some of the um, the trauma from the ancient goddess temples from when they fell. Okay. Well, so so let me just understand what you're going to do. So I mean, you literally and, and and you know and look here. I don't stand on any um, you know on any precedent. Just uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. So what you're going to do is open up a group record for the listeners that are out there. I mean, it's it's almost mm-hmm. as if we are. Um, you can do that for. I, I guess what I guess what it sounds why it sounds strange to me is I know we each have our own individual stuff, but are mm-hmm. you saying that by virtue of the fact my listeners maybe have um, a common interest in this goddess stuff, women's stuff, feminist stuff, that sort of makes us a group with a. Uh, a, a, a record that has um, similarities? Yes. Yeah, so it, the record doesn't have, it, of course, it's not particularly long-lived, like each soul has their own Akashic record from the time that soul individuated from source until it returns home again, which could say, oh, well, that billions and billions of years, right? So um, when we bring together and we open the records of a group, it's really, it is, it's with the vibration and the intention that the people who are interested in the Akashic records and the divine feminine may be doing and receiving some healing around this, learning more about the Akashic records, that they come together. So I'm not opening anyone's records personally. I'm opening really the vibration of the people who are interested in this sort of work. And so that, um, whatever that is, I end up speaking to that. So when I do a show, and and often there will be, say, live people who are calling in, and I know we're not calling in tonight, but um, we can just do it with our conversation, Um, I'll often get a lot of feedback where people will say, it really felt like you were speaking directly to me. 
And okay. that's because they're showing up because they're they're wanting to receive this healing. Does it does that make more sense? It, yes, it is yes, a little well well why don't we jump right in and I'll save the questions that I had for after this experience, uh, because I'm sure I'll have more. <laughs> right. And if we have questions that are um If, if we have questions that have a healing aspect to them, then we can do um, we can do that too, right? Okay, okay, sure, absolutely. You um, you guide us. Okay, so we'll start with a nice deep breath, and if you can, close your eyes, feeling and bringing all of your soul spirit energy down into your physical body all the way down into the tips of your toes and take a nice deep breath into your heart letting your heart open and expand and we ask the divine lords of unconditional love to please help us center fully in this moment as we create this sacred space. Please wrap us in your love and protection and allow us to travel to the highest realms of the Akasha available to us today. Please help us as we lay our multidimensional hearts open to divine love and release all resistance. Lords of the Akashic Record, Please guide us to the deepest truth we can access now. Support us in healing and releasing that which no longer serves on our true path. We give great thanks for your divine love and support on this journey. So just allow yourself to breathe and notice what you notice. I often see um, a silvery blue swirly column of light. Sometimes people feel their hearts open. They feel that energy just all around them, holding them in pure divine love. Um, It just really allows us to move into this space because our Akashic records are always held in divine source energy and it's pure Pure, unconditional love. So just notice what you feel and you expand it into the group record. So what do you notice, Karen? Does that feel any, do you feel that shift or feel your heart open? Um, it feels, uh, feels very peaceful and serene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's also kind of one of those, you know, a lot of love. Some people will feel actually almost like tears because they they feel the unconditional love of the divine as it encircles us and holds us. Um, so yeah, and it's 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 lovely because. I can teach people to do this in a weekend workshop, or I, I teach tele-seminars um, on the phone to people all over um, all over the world. So 
what I realize is that it's a very empowering and transformational energy, and we can do uh, very deep healing, learn all sorts of things about our souls, our soul path, what we came to do, who we've been, where we've been, and um, and we can let go of a lot of the old traumas and even complete karma, or like I say, we can complete some old soul contracts that we have. So very empowering um, it's a very empowering tool. So are we are we still doing it now? I mean, is there like mm-hmm. a message that comes forward you deliver or um I Well, the way that I work, so we'll be in this vibration until I close it at the end of the call. Okay. So will you know people will feel that and then usually what I do the way I do it I sometimes get a message usually what I notice is that um when the radio host asks me questions I just really am bringing through information that's more pertinent for that okay. group of listeners I understand. Okay, well, let me get to it then. <laughs> so, um, it, with, it, as you were, you know, sort of setting setting the stage there, um, was you said that you have a vibrational key of of things that you, um, you know, that that I, I guess you say. Um, what was the vibrational key um, in, in in what you just spoke? Most of what I said is part of the key. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then it goes on for you know because I've been doing this for so long, I can just hold and expand that energy for the group. When I teach students to do this, um I usually teach in the first course three different keys because they resonate. You know, you were talking about having a a guest on last week who was really bringing through a lot of star information. So, mm-hmm. um the three keys, one of them is from uh, connects to people who are more from the planet Sirius, which is connected to Egypt. One is from um, the Pleiades, which is the seven sisters and more of the Mayan culture. And one from a planet called Arcturus, which is a very much about um, heart-centered work and healing and um, awakening. So... They've given me these different keys, and different students resonate with different keys. So it gives us just another entrance, another deeper way to move into our records. And some people may resonate with one key more than another key, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. So, so, all right. So, let's. You know, I, I have so many questions, but you know, let's kind of start at the beginning for maybe listeners who've never even heard about what the Akashic records are. Um, what is it? You know, because I've heard that you know it's uh, you know it, it's sort of the repository of all knowledge. Uh, it's something within us. It's something outside us. It's both. Um, you know, from, from that information you said about the keys, it makes me sort of think that it's, um, I don't know, the sort of the mysteries of the cosmos that these other, you know, uh, beings on other planets may possess and maybe we lost. So so please explain, how, how do you mm. define the Akashic Records? Well, I do define the Akashic Records as the um, the records of our soul. So... I say that they are stored in the information arm of God or of source or goddess, God, all that is, you know, the unified field of of oneness, whatever it is that you would call that um, source energy. So it is held in this information arm of, of 
of source. So it's not in our bodies. We very often, really the easy, deepest way to connect is through our hearts, which is why I I um, always suggest that we kind of get down and grounded in our bodies, let our bodies be comfortable and feel safe and secure as we open and expand our hearts and connect. We're really moving into a more multidimensional area. So we're really kind of moving outside of our bodies and so that often for us we'll feel um, expansive or lighter or, um, you know, kind of big heart energy. So it isn't anywhere in particular. It really is the vibration of the all. There are huge records. There are records of the planets. There are records of um, of everything. But I think that most people... Um, the the useful thing for most of us humans at this point is to access our own personal Akashic records. So as I, I, I said briefly, um, when a soul individuates from source and decides to go on a journey and experience this, you know, um, kind of separation, although, of course, we can never be separate because we're always one, but we take on a soul, we take on a body, we have a journey, we learn, we grow, we do. And... Um, that is all recorded in that soul's record. So it's a lovely image to imagine that as a whole huge library. Mm-hmm. And what I say is that the Akashic Masters, the beings of light that keep our records, we have our own personal librarians. So these record keepers are our own librarians. They are here in service to us. So you, Karen, have your own personal library and your own librarians really just waiting to work with you well, as do I as just everyone well and you know I guess you know I'm I'm just a really curious person while I am interested about myself I am really curious about the the big picture issues too you know I mean how long have humans been on the planet you know what was it like before patriarchy you know mm-hmm. all of those mm-hmm sorts of questions so mm-hmm. i would have a lot of work for my librarian <laughs> you would right and you know honestly i have um you know quite a bit of those those conversations do come up in different readings or the work that i do um i've been told that we've been here really this time about twenty five thousand years and that this is only one incarnation of humanity on this planet that the whales and the dolphins came here to uh, planet Earth, also from Sirius, uh, the dog star, there's uh, A and B. And they came before there was um, humans, and many of them um, pledged allegiance to the planet to keep the planet, because actually the Earth and planets are, are, are conscious, sentient beings. And so our dear Mother Earth is is becoming enlightened and so as she is raising her vibration it is helping to raise the vibration of all of the humans on the planet oh i sure hope so so. (laughs) yes 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 and we see it certainly not everywhere because what i the way i understand it in the records is is that you know, it really pushes that kind of roller coaster energy. So as things raise, they also drop, right? So we get like a bigger um, span between the highs and the lows. And there's so much uh, that comes up to be cleared and released, and, and a lot of times that can look very dark and negative to us. 
but it's really on the way out. So if we can keep that in mind yeah. and keep yeah, working sort of like towards in, the highest. And it, it's sort of in the, the ugliness is maybe in its last throes of power, hopefully. Yes, um, yes. So, Lisa, um, what, what can the Akashic Record tell us maybe about the Divine Feminine Mystery Schools or Goddess Temples? Mm, mm. Yes, you know, I really do some work around that because um, one of the big soul contracts and missions on the planet right now is to help rebalance the divine masculine, divine feminine energy because it has been so out of uh, out of balance for about 3,000 years is how I get it. So what the, what the masters say is that for thousands of years, um, of course we have many different um, uh, different societies. We have, you know, the Egyptians and that that, you know, goes back into 5,000, 10,000 B.C. We have also the Incas and the Mayans, which which seemed, you know, kind of warrior-like, although I'd have to look at those dates, really. Um, but the great mystery schools that were very much around in Persia, um, around the Mediterranean, um, of course, Greece um, and Turkey, and they were they were very profound one of the things that they um, have told me is that many of these mystery schools, many of these oracle temples were made up of um, 8, 12, or 16 women, and we literally channeled together. So um, what they have explained to me is that often when I gather uh, a bunch of my students together, a half a dozen or a dozen of the students together, we literally do something similar to what we did back, um, you know, 2000 B.C. in these ancient mystery schools, that we would, the say, the community, the village would ask a question, and each of the goddesses of these dozen women or half a dozen women would channel the wisdom that they received because we all have our own um, specialty. And so they really say that the oracle was not one person, but usually this group of women who were oracles as a, were as a group. So, so, so in other words, they would, uh, you know, they would answer questions of healing, of uh, agriculture, of, of maybe war, even war mm-hmm. and peace. Uh, that sort of thing? Absolutely. They would do, um, I know they were, the many of the images as I get of them as also the teachers teaching the children, teaching the children to um, to write, to communicate, to, you know, keep track. We had the ancient libraries like of Alexandria that we've lost. Um, so they were great teachers and healers, absolutely great healers. They had their own medicine, tinctures, herbs that they would use and they would teach and they would share. And so these temples were places, very pla- sacred places to go and um, receive healing, receive uh, wisdom, receive learning. I often see these women sitting kind of on these beautiful um, steps and in these gardens with with uh, children, you know, and, and mm-hmm. teaching and sharing and bringing that wisdom through. So they were really a big part of the community. I don't, I don't, the way I understand it, I don't get that they were really separate, 
but that they were very much a part of the community. So do we know, Lisa, and this is sort of a two-pronged question, from from what you get, um, do we know if uh, the women in these cultures were maybe, uh, you know, if these were egalitarian societies, if these were societies maybe where women's wisdom ruled, um, you know, do, do we have a sense of that? And I you guess know, the other question is, you know, we have these artifacts that, you know, before we had writing, you know, we have artifacts like the Venus statues that are thirty and 40,000 years old. Um, I guess I, I wonder if, you know, do we know any, you know, can we know from the masters in the or the Akashic record anything from those, um, you know, those the peoples that lived then? Mm. You know, I actually haven't gone back quite that far or or ask too much about that, although they do talk about how the divine feminine for all of these thousands and thousands of years really was the, um, you know, had the respect. It was the, the women were the creators. We were all the goddesses. We created life. We were greatly, greatly respected. Loved. And so that was a very beautiful energy in that way for thousands and thousands and, you know, 25, 30,000, you know, if it was 30,000 or 25 or 40, I, I don't know. But I know that there was great love and respect for uh, the divine feminine. And the way I understand it, it really wasn't until uh, much more recent in in the last whatever, three, four, five thousand years, that it became so imbalanced. Even with, you know, the men, even with the strength, even with the hunting or the, or the fighting that they did, there was always the feminine balance because men have never been able to give birth or create. And that great respect was always there for all of these thousands of years. And it wasn't until... You know, really kind of, again, it, it happens step by step. The, um, one of the things I see is the warring, um, much of the war and the, the fighting for more land and for, you know, the really the taking over of the, of the countries and the world probably back around, uh, who was that, Alexander the Great, which I think is somewhere around 1400 um, B.C., uh, something like that. I don't know if you remember more clearly than I, but um, relatively recently in my world. <laughs> well, well, let's. Well, before we go forward, because I do want to go forward and see if we know what's ahead. But um, I, I'm I, I'm curious about, say, Atlantis or Lemuria. Have either of those or any civilizations like that ever, you know, popped up during um, these sessions? You know, usually the way they come up, I've never really asked or tried to to find or figure um, where they may have been. One of the interesting things that the masters say about Lemuria is that it was really very other dimensional. It lived in another dimension. And so that's one of the reasons that we won't probably find it. I do feel, I do get that Atlantis was more here on the Earth and... um, 
and and I know they found different you know different civilizations underwater. So um, it may have been much greater than we think or believe that there was a, a connecting or you know more. Um, that Lemuria was really big. It wasn't just like one little island is is the way I understand it. Um, I will not often, but often enough, I will get information that that someone's past lives or sometimes their past life trauma, which is what I'm working on clearing for people very often, will go all the way back to Atlantis or back to Lemuria. Okay. So. So um when you're when you're doing um these readings for people do you find that um in past lives we sort of switch genders? Absolutely. Um most of us are kind of 70/30 or 60/40. We're not we're we're kind of more rarely 50/50 or 100% or even 90/10. Most of us are a little bit more balanced in that way. Um I commonly see more like the 70-30 or the 60-40, really. Um, and so that's why I even say that men can really benefit from doing, um, say, a program around rebalancing the, the divine feminine and the divine masculine because it is such a big soul contract on the planet today. So um, what I often start with, I don't know if I mentioned, that I do have a home study program um, that's available so people can just download it and receive the stories and the healing all about the fall of the divine goddess temples and and the trauma that we have experienced through our lives as as women um, so we we touch on on the the fall of the temples is the way the masters say when the warriors came in and they they killed many of the women they um, broke and destroyed our temples and our um, uh, you know, our lives really that we saw many, you know, many of our, our sisters, our families die. Um, and then many times we were either enslaved um, or we were made, turned into prostitutes or we were impregnated so that we would then carry their, you know, children and they, you know, that sort of genocide. So the genocide that went on for really thousands of years, if you think about it in that way, where they, of course, muddled and and um, took our heritage away. And so um, I do a lot of energetic healing and clearing because what I see in people um, is that those fears and those traumas hold us back in this life very often. So we're holding all of that um, that trauma almost. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm using mm-hmm. the right terms, mm-hmm. but we're holding all of this trauma from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime, almost in uh, our soul or our DNA or whatever mm-hmm. that repository um, is that stays the same from lifetime to lifetime, our core or I, I don't know, what, what right. term do you use for that? Well, it is because it is all the one soul. It is all recorded and remember in that in that soul and in those that soul's records. So the truth is, is that when we come into a physical body, not all of our soul comes in here. So most of our soul doesn't come in. We really are huge and expansive, and of course we're we're wise and we're ancient, and and it would kind of ruin the game if we knew too much when we embodied. So each time we come 
to a life, and we live hundreds and hundreds of lives here on planet Earth alone. The masters say that most of us live somewhere between 600, 800, even 1,000 lifetimes because in some ways we're a little slow on the learning. We kind of have to come back, you know, and you can see that in people. Someone will have a a, a, a problem, a, a trauma in their life, and they'll go into a place of, of victimhood and anger and hatred, and they get stuck in that place for a whole lifetime. And then the next life, their soul says, "Okay, let's try and let's try it again." So we may actually have another traumatic situation, and the learning is how do we realize the truth of who we are, move into a place of forgiveness, and move on. So, so, so Lisa, what then? What is the purpose of our? I, I mean, unless you, unless unless it's the obvious answer that you know we're trying to evolve and become you know vibrate at a higher level and become the best version of ourselves we can be. I mean, is that why we? Uh, don't take our wisdom from one life to the next, and we and we keep trying to you know to mm-hmm. do it again and do it again and do it again. You know, <laughs> I have got to say, Karen, there are moments where I just it makes absolutely no sense to me either. But <laughs> the way the Akashic Masters explained it to me, and they've explained it to me many times and in many different scenarios, because um, I, you know. I'm human too, right? So I have all those frustrations. So one of the ways they've explained it is they say, we like to come here because this is this very physical dimension, unlike almost any other place, dimension, you know, or world that you can live on. It's one of these places where you have these amazing sunsets and sunrises, where you can create and give birth, where you can make love and share your body and your heart and your soul with somebody in a very tactile, tangible sort of way, where you can experience emotions and yummy food and beautiful flowers and colors and all of these phenomenal things we have here on earth that we don't have most other places or planes. So Hmm. it truly is about the experience. That's interesting. Well, well, you know what it reminds me of, Lisa? I don't don't know how old you are. Did you ever watch Star Trek? Yeah, I'm almost 60. Okay, all right. So, all right. Yes, well, we're I close, did. We're very close to the same age. Well, you know, in, in the first, you know, in, in the old series, the classic series with Kirk mm-hmm. and Spock, you know, the mm-hmm. Shatner and Spock and, uh, yes. and Nimoy, I mean, um, there was this episode where they landed on this planet and the people had evolved to a point where they were really nothing more than a brain inside a glass. And they could no longer have these tangible experiences, and they were trying to live through the crew, in a sense, to be able to feel again um, and and have these human experiences that we have. And that's what you're reminding me of. And I guess simultaneously it makes me sad that these masters, who I would assume are these superior beings, would have such a limited life ex- well not a limited life experience but that you know i would think that if someone is so evolved they would have it all if you know what i if you know what mm-hmm. i mean that they wouldn't have to reduce themselves to being like us to mm-hmm. um enjoy the senses so to speak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i agree i i completely and utterly agree um, <laughs> 
you know, but it's an interesting thing. It would be it's kind of like saying, um, why would goddess God ever individuate and go on this journey? Well, apparently that's, you know, part of the thing that it's like, but we want to experience what it's like to be to be separate, to be one, to come back, to remember, to do all of these things. And so the odd thing with with um with Earth is that um I think in many of these planes and dimensions, actually, many of us live lives in the angelic realm where we literally, you know, are here supporting other people. We're not archangels, but we can be live in these angelic realms and be of help to people on Earth. So, again, I do believe that at some point we'll come to a place where I think we start to come to create heaven on Earth is what the way I hear it, but... When the earth moved into a much darker, denser kind of vibration, we forgot more and more and more. So the interesting thing is is that 25,000 years ago, we were way more enlightened than we were 1,000 years ago. Hmm. So well, it's that doesn't part of surprise me. <laughs> yes, well, from right. the, from you know from the you know what I said opening the show, you know that really doesn't right. surprise me. You know, I I've always had the sense that uh, you know people thousands of years ago probably knew a lot more than we know, and we've lost uh, you know we've lost that knowledge. You know, well mm-hmm. you know you've mentioned a few times um, the term soul contracts. Um, mm-hmm. What is that? So the Oh, I was going to tell you this other silly story, too, so I'll just roll them all together. So the Akashic Masters, of course, being just pure divine love, they are really very funny, and they give me all sorts of silly kind of stories as ways of looking at this. So um, the way they explain it is that before we come to Earth and and we we decide what we want to come and do. So, again, imagine you've already had five or 600 lives, and you have been... Most of us, when we're born, well, okay, when we individuate from source, we're born as a group. So we start out with a soul family, a soul group. And that group travels around most of your soul's lifetimes, you know, whatever that is, millions or billions of years. Um, so you have soul family and many of other souls that you, in, you know, interact with that are not part of your soul family. So say I'm coming to Earth and I say, I'd like I'd like to get married, I'd like to have some children, I would like to work through some of my forgiveness issues, I would like to um, maybe have a business partner. Um, so what souls would like to do this with me? And these souls we make soul contracts with. So the interesting thing is to say, I'd like to get married, so I'd like to have a husband. I'm going to be a woman in this life, so I'd like to have a husband. And I might get a half a dozen or a dozen soul contracts with different souls. One may say, oh, remember we had that great lifetime where everything was so lovely. Let's do that again. That was fun. Great. Okay, so if I meet you and we connect, we'll do that. That would be great. And then another soul steps up and says, remember that lifetime in which I drowned and you were so angry and you just couldn't go on and you you drowned yourself too? That was kind of traumatic. So we have some old unfinished business, some unfinished cycles, which is what most of us call karma, unfinished growth and lessons to learn. So let's finish that cycle. Let's finish that karma. So let's come back together 
and get married and and we'll have a full long life and it'll be lovely right so we have you know that contract and then you know a bunch of others like that and the reason that we make many soul contracts is because we are beings of free will we want to make our own decisions and choices so i may have soul contracts with people who live in south america who live in in Europe, who live in what you know, the East Coast, the West Coast, because who knows where I'm going to end up, right? Hmm. So we have quite a few soul contracts. Otherwise, you know, I always say if you were looking for one soulmate out of you know seven billion people, good luck, right? Right, so, right, right. So we have many soul contracts, and and many of these people are part of our soul family. So when we meet them, we feel and connect like. We've known them forever, ever, because we have. That is our soul family. So it's really a very beautiful, often, reunion when we come together. Interesting. And so they're not all long-lived. So sometimes they're very short. We may, I may have a soul contract to have a child with someone, but never to marry them. Yeah, yeah. Right? I see. I see. So would it, is it safe to assume, then, that the people that... Um, uh, well, that the, the people we bump into in our lives, our bosses, our sisters, our neighbors, uh, our coworkers, uh, the people we went to school with, I mean, we have a soul contract with all of these different people or maybe just some of them? Yeah, just some of them, not all of them. Of course, there's just lots and lots of souls roaming around the earth, right? <laughs> Seven billion of them. So we're not going to know them all. Often... Um, the the important people in our lives we have soul contracts with. But the interesting thing is is that sometimes um, a child will be born into a family that the child does not have a soul contract per se outside of to be born in that family, does not have a deep contract with the parents, but has a real soul contract with the grandmother or the brother or the aunt. And so we sometimes have soul contracts so often it's it's not uncommon for people to say, I feel like I was born into the wrong family. How did mm-hmm. I end up with these people? They don't get me at all, right? That and, sounds and, like me. Uh, <laughs> I, say, I, I often say I, I think I must have, gypsies must have left me in a basket on the doorstep and they just took uh, me in. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Right. So, you know, that would probably be the truth in your soul record. You picked a family for other reasons. It might have something to do with the ancestry. It may have something to do with that, the genetics combined with the area. It may have something to do with someone else in your family. So do you feel particularly connected, say, to a grandmother or an aunt or a sibling? No, not necessarily. Um, I, I, I have to say I did not have deep, deep, deep bonds with, uh, well, I mean, there was only my mother's side. Uh, my, my, uh, my, I never met my father's family. So, and, and you know, I, I mean, mother-daughter relationships, they're complicated. Um, you know, I, 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 I just, I, I, I can't recall deep bonds mm-hmm. with any particular family member, uh, deeper mm-hmm. bonds with my husband or friends mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. my family, really. Well, and, you know, here's the interesting thing the Akashic Masters are telling me. So this is where it comes in handy when I open the group records and the, and they're speaking. Of course, I'm not in your records, but they're speaking to, to 
to this for you and for anyone else who has this situation, is is that um, you came to be unburdened in that sort of way. So we sometimes decide I'm going to pick a family because whatever the the ancestry or the lineage or the area, like I say, or the genetics, whatever that might be, and there may be some learning and growth that, that you're conscious of or unconscious of because of that family that you picked. But it has um, kind of the energy of being unburdened. It has the energy of being able to do or choose what you want to do and what you want to choose. It makes you a little bit more free. So when we can see it that way, instead of like, oh, me, poor me, I don't have any loving family, it can be also a great gift. So sometimes we choose it that way. Well, you know, and that, I have to tell you, that makes perfect sense to me because my husband and I moved from Louisiana to California 30 years ago, and if I had had deep emotional bonds with my family, I would it probably would have been very difficult to come. Maybe I never would have, and I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing today. Um, you know, I can't even imagine doing the work I'm doing today had we stayed in Louisiana. You know, I, I wouldn't even have probably discovered the sacred feminine, much less, you know, books, radio show, you know, all the things that I've done. So that does make sense. And, it, you know, and, and it, it doesn't feel like, you know, poor me, you know, I, I didn't have this close, wonderful Norman Rockwell family. I, I do feel uh, that I was not burdened by those ties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. So to me, very often one of the great gifts of, of of opening your records or having a reading or seeing things this way is that we can kind of just, one, get validated or see it in that bigger way where we go, oh, well, doesn't that make sense? Aren't I a smart soul? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we get to really kind of pat ourselves on the back and go on and maybe even do something bigger or greater. Or, you know, so what I find is very often um, clients are really looking for that validation. They feel they have some memory or some energy or some ability or some skill to heal or, or to share wisdom. But very often we're made to feel that that's not true or valuable or valid, right? Like you say, if maybe you had stayed in Louisiana, you would have felt like, oh, you know, here I'm going to have to go off and be a school teacher. I can't share or find out. I just may never even know about these things. Or I keep them in the closet, right? So, um, So very often it's really about kind of asking and finding some of that great wisdom from our soul so that we feel that we have the energy and the impetus and the validation to go forward, which we might not have completely had. Obviously, you've done a fabulous job of following your heart and your soul. Um, but often, you know, many, of many many of my clients are, are really just, you know, needing to get some confirmation because they think or feel that what they're, what they're, the information they're getting intuitively is just too weird, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you'd have told me when I was in Louisiana or even thinking about coming to California that I'd be doing any of this, I'd have looked at you like you were crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, but mm-hmm. it, it, but it just happens. Um, so, I, so the Akashic Record then, um, you know, so I guess what I'm saying, well, it seems very closely 
aligned with reincarnation. And um, so when we, uh, or you know, end up with, an, say, for instance, an abusive relationship, or mm-hmm. say on the opposite end, say we end up, you know, being rich and famous, that's it, 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 this is these experiences or things we chose before we were born to experience in this life. Yes, yeah, basically. So we have the combination of all of these soul contracts. We have the combination of the karma, which I would say is, you know, the completion, the learning of the lesson. So, again, that would be um, uh, for for one person, I you know, the way I always hear it is is that we come here to do it all, which is why it often takes us hundreds and hundreds of lifetimes. So if you have been killed, you have killed someone, right? If you've been a man, you've been a woman. If you have, you know, raped and pillaged a village, you have been raped and pillaged. Or I don't know if people are pillaged, but anyway. Um, so if you've been a raper, you've rapist, you've been raped. It just we really do it in all of these ways to experience every every piece of of life here on earth and to come to a place of understanding again really one of the big deals that the the akashic masters always point out to us is that it really is about our learning and our growth so a, a one way of looking at it is almost like when we come um we're a little bit older, but I have teenagers, and so my son plays these video games, which are very realistic, right? So I'll go into his room, and he's playing some war game, some, you know, Warcraft or something, and, and he's got a helmet on in in the game, right? So the game, it appears like he's seeing out of his eyes with the helmet, and he's you can see his guns. He's got his guns, his swords, his whatever. He's running around. There's other people. He's killing people. He kills someone, and the blood splatters on, like, the screen right because you're in a computer game and the master say it's a really good way to look at life it's like what that is what we do when we come to earth we make a plan we pick a family we pick a bunch of soul contracts we set out what we want to learn i want to learn about love i want to learn about forgiveness you know there's this whole piece around um around abuse is a really important one because so many of the light workers on earth have chosen to come into an abusive family so they can heal that for themselves which is helping to heal that for humanity and to end the cycles of abuse that have gone on for thousands and thousands of years well lisa let me ask you this then um from what you just said i'll make this observation i hope it doesn't sound cynical If we're choosing to come into the life that we're living, when you consider the massive suffering around the world, whether it's people in Africa without clean water, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, people in Iraq who were killed or displaced Mm -hmm. with the crazy war, whatever it is. You know, all of the horrible things that happen all around the world, it seems, I guess it, it feels like the vast majority of humans are choosing to come back into suffering. And I, I don't know, is there an explanation for that? Mm. <sighs> 
You know, I don't know if there's ever an explanation that's going to make sense to us and our human minds and our human view, but this is the explanation that they give me the best as I can explain it. You know, again, I always kind of come to that place. When we're not embodied, and one of the great gifts, again, of being in the Akashic Records is being in this very expansive energy, um, you know, and love, that, that serenity. And so it makes more sense in a way when we're in the record and doing that work for ourselves and others. But part of what they're saying is that we make these commitments in order to change something to whether it's call attention. So we've noticed that many of these huge um, uh, traumas in life, I have somehow Idi Amin pops into my head. Again, I must be like pretty old here. Um, you know, I know and, who and he these, is. <laughs> yeah, right. These terrible things. Well, it 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 almost had to be, you know, that bad in order for people to intervene and make that end. So part of the trauma, part of what we're seeing on the planet is about saving the earth. So it's about us coming to a place where, I hate to say it's bad enough, but it's one way of looking at it, where things are drastic enough that we really need to step up and do something different. And so It's almost like giving us opportunities, um, giving us opportunities to be better people, to appeal to our better, our, the, what mm-hmm. do they call it, the, our better angels, so to mm-hmm. speak. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So one of the things we saw um, back when there was the, the big earthquakes in Haiti is it made people rally from all over the world for a country that was suffering and suffering and suffering. And um, there are still so many people donating their time and their energy and rebuilding and making schools and donating money and funds. And we've seen, we're seeing that happen. I'm seeing that happen with Africa, so many people raising funds to bring clean water, to bring education to everyone, especially to women who never get it, to girls, um, really making Herculean efforts to raise funds and change the view. So one of the great gifts of having um, the ability to donate some money is to say, let me give all I can to these places, whether, you know, whatever it is that speaks to your heart, um, to save and help all of these girls who, you know, in some of these countries where they've been so so terribly abused. Again, and it's about, in the big picture, it's about um, taking the power away from the male, giving the power back to the female, and the truth is really balancing masculine-feminine energy so we can become a balanced, not higher one higher than the other. It needs to be a balanced world and society so that we can go forward and create and, and stay here. Otherwise, we'll end up, you know, destroying ourselves. Well, on that note, balance, <laughs> not yes, destroying balance. ourselves, Absolutely. balance. Um, that's I, where I, we're going. <laughs> well, that, well, that's um, that. That is optimistic. Um, well, well, Lisa, it's a, it's about time for us to to wrap it up. We're um, we're we're getting on to the hour now. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to make sure you say, or is important to understand? 
you know, I actually did just want to remind people if they're interested in uh, the Akashic Knowing. Akashic Knowing is my website. There are home study classes, and the one, Empower the Inner Goddess, is the six-hour home study course in which I do um, six hours of healing around the fall of the temples and, and all of the um, great abuse that um, that women have suffered throughout time. So we can heal and release that and step into our highest and best empowered self. And that's why we call it Empower the Inner Goddess. So if people are interested in that, they can find the home study course at akashicknowing.com. And you also do personal Akashic consultations, right? Absolutely, I do readings and healings. Um, I teach people to access their own Akashic records, and all of that information is on my website at akashicknowing.com. So if people are interested in learning more, you can read more about the Akashic records. You can um, see my book, The Infinite Wisdom of the Akashic Records, under the products. Uh, There's books and home study and courses under products and meditations and all sorts of information. It's a pretty deep website, so akashicknowing.com. Okay, well, um, I I guess uh, the only thing left to ask is uh, were there any uh, messages from the Masters? You know, the message that they just shared with me, which is actually very sweet because um, it's kind of Spock-esque, but really they are just saying thank you. Thank you for the divine work you are doing in balancing, in bringing forward the light and the divine feminine to the world every day. So that's for you, Karen, and for each and every one of the listeners who is who is awakening and remembering the divine being that you all are. Hmm. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you very much, and thank you to the Akashic Masters as well. Well, this was very interesting, um, and uh, I, I appreciate the work you're doing in the world as well, Lisa. Thank you very much, and, and good luck with all your teachings, and uh, I'm glad you're out there doing what you're doing. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Well, uh, good night and have a wonderful summer. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. And a word from Joe Carson. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree. When I came out of it, this is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, that was Serena Roney Dougal, Ph.D., speaking in Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia. Dancing with Gaia explores the connections between Earth energy, sacred sexuality, the goddess as Gaia. It features 15 visionaries who give us tools to feel the life of the planet within ourselves. And the DVD comes with a 45-page mini book. And you know what? The two cost only 20 bucks. 
You can get your own copy at dancingwithgaia.com. I would encourage you to check out uh, Joe Carson's website, and uh, I can tell you, because I have a copy of the film and the book, uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think you'll be very pleased if you decide to get it for yourself, for your own library, or uh, for a friend uh, next time uh, a birthday comes along or or something like that. Even Father's Day. Father's Day is right around the corner. Uh, give it to um, as one of the fellas in your life that you love. So um, I uh, wanted to remind you, we spoke last week about um, emailing me uh, stories of uh, heroes and heroines and heroes. Uh, we were talking about that. Uh, so don't forget, because, you know, um, oftentimes the things that we do in our life, um, you know, we do deserve to pat ourselves on the back. Or maybe your friend or your neighbor or one of your teachers uh, deserves, uh, you know, to have their work in the world acknowledged. Um, you know, too often we underestimate the things that we do. I, I think especially women because we do so much. So please uh, remember, email me those stories and uh, I am happy, happy, happy to share them here uh, with, uh, with my dear listeners. Also, uh, I want to let you know that the Goddess Spirit Rising Conference uh, is September 10th through 13th in Simi Valley, which is in Southern California. Not only is that happening, but their program is now up on the website. So where before you could sort of just get the bare bones about the conference, you know, the where, the how much, uh, now you can actually see uh, the presentations that are going to be happening on the 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th. So I believe you probably want to go to their website, goddessspiritrising.com. There's going to be close to 40 international presenters uh, that will, um, I think, expand your emotional and spiritual horizons. Uh, There's going to be workshops, concerts, rituals, healers, vendors. Um, You know, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I just found out that uh, my... Uh, personal presentation is going to be on Friday, and the panel that I'm on is going to be on Sunday. Uh, they're also going to be showing the film um, that uh, I've talked to you guys about, uh, Femme, Women Healing the World. Uh, that's going to be shown uh, on Friday as well. So there's going to be lots of fun things. And uh, this isn't just for women. Uh, this is, uh, you know, God of Spirit Rising is for women and for men. So... Uh, That being said, uh, we are about coming to a close this evening. Um, I have to cut things a little bit short tonight. I have some things I have to go do. But uh, I want to just say goodnight and uh, remind you that if you like what you've been hearing tonight and in past shows, I hope you'll show your appreciation and support. Um, The airtime is paid for by myself here. comes out of pocket. This is a service to the community that I've been doing for the last eight years and um, I just have to remind you that what you nurture and support it thrives and what you neglect well it withers and um, if you want to make sure Voices of the Sacred Feminine and everything we talk about here um, remains thriving uh, I hope you can um, go to my website at KarenTate.com I feel like the PBS um, anyway, uh, go to KarenTate.com. Uh, go once you're there at the website. Please go to the Goddess Store page. Uh, there you can find, um, you know, several of my books, or you can. 
uh, scroll down the page to the very uh, bottom, and the PayPal button down there allows you to make a donation of any amount. And you know what? Don't feel funny about making a $5 donation, because if 100 of you make a $5 donation, well, you know, the airtime here will quickly be paid for. So... um you know, that is my wish and my prayer. I put that out to the universe, and um, I appreciate uh, your support. Uh, you are the gas in my tank, so please keep sending me uh, your emails about what the show means to you and show ideas and all those sorts of things that you send me. I really do read it all, and um, most of the time I get back in touch with you. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your participation. Uh, Thank you for being a part of the Voices of the Sacred Feminine Family. So um, that will do it uh, for tonight. Uh, I hope you'll be back with me on the 18th. My guest will be Anya Trahan. And uh, then we will also have a show on the 25th. And uh, Larry Merkulis will be my guest. that about does it, dear listeners. I hope you have a great weekend, and I hope you're enjoying the summer. Uh, and if you're in Southern California, let me remind you that uh, there's a big party at the Goddess Temple of Orange County in Irvine. Uh, it's the Green Man Party, uh, honoring the men of the temple. So if that sounds like something you're interested in attending, it's from 7 to 9. The cost is just a love donation. So I think we'll close tonight's show with... Uh, Maybe just a little bit of music here. Um, Why not Arms of the Mother by Abigail Spinner McBride? Good night, dear listeners. (laughs) 